Hello, it is Friday, October 18th, 2019. Breaker, breaker, one, nine. We're coming in sideways from a plane in the sky, traveling back from Stanford, California, which is not the same as Palo Alto, California, by the way. I got fucking chewed out for that on Twitter. Some lady who went to Stanford, who is obviously much smarter and definitely wealthier than I, was not happy that I was not calling it Stanford, California. That's its own little town. Beautiful town at that, just by the way. Stanford is an absolutely incredible looking... Not a lot of fans in the stands. Not a lot of fans in the stands. But the campus is absolutely gorgeous. And there's just billionaires stumbling around everywhere. I'll definitely be back. I'll get a chance to hopefully watch a basketball game later this year. And when I go to that game, there's only one place I'm going to be getting my ticket from. And that's our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. Which we are flying very fucking close to now that I look out at it. Big old moon tonight. Because they scan all the other ticket buying platforms and make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. The best ticket available at the best prices available are available for you. The incredible human that chooses to listen to the show knowing very well that they don't have to. Right now, use promo code PAT. You get $10 off your first order. Promo code McAfee, $20 off your first order. It's a lot of money off your first order. A little self-awareness. If we're rich, use the Pat one for $10 off. If we're not rich yet, use McAfee for $20 off. And let's have a fucking day. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek. All right. We had some fucking incredible shit happen this week. He's, he's holding their feet to the fire. He's trying to get out of there. He's skipping work. He's taking pictures with Deshaun Watson. His back looks fine. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This guy, he's sick. He, he wants to see his dad of the year. He wants to see the birth. He's His back's hurting. Have you, has your back ever hurt him? Back injuries can be debilitating. Debilitating are terrible. You get a little, uh, little, little pinched nerve in the back. All of a sudden, you can't even take a grumpy in the morning. <laughs> oh, right? you're useless. I mean, it's something, literally useless. I mean, Zito had a bad back. We didn't see him for a week and a half. Yeah, it's oh. really bad. Your back? No, just in general, like back injuries are the worst thing ever. Exactly. So I was on board with him, all these things happening. Now it turns out his back's probably pretty healthy. Los oh, Angeles. Yeah, there's different cryo chambers and, and laws in, in California that can make your back healthy. But he definitely utilized his leverage just to get the hell out of Jacksonville. And a lot of other players are watching that. A lot of other players who saw Antonio Brown successfully get out of Pittsburgh and Oakland. A lot of people saw Le'Veon Bell get out of there. A lot of people saw Ezekiel Elliott go to Cabo during training camp and get paid. Melvin Gordon didn't happen, but a lot of players are watching this whole thing. Odell out of New York. A lot of people are watching this and going, wait a minute, if I don't like where I'm at, I can definitely get out of here. And no salt water as well. What's that? The ocean over here has no salt. That is just incorrect. <laughs> That's what I was... Are you kidding me? So you thought the Pacific Ocean... Yeah, no salt. So you thought oceans that potentially connect all together that are just in different parts of uh, the world. Some of them have salt and some oceans don't have salt? Yes. Final answer? Yes. You are a college graduate? Yes, sir. College educated. If you are a parent and your kid's thinking about going to school, Illinois State is Roll the birds. school that gave the guy who doesn't <laughs> think there's salt in oceans a degree. Something to think about whenever you think about sending your kids somewhere. This is alarming. It's concerning. It's disgusting. And the fact that you think Jalen Ramsey wanted to come to L.A. because there's no salt in the ocean near L.A. is another, that's just next level thinking. And that's why this show is top notch because of your brain. Maybe no hurricanes. That's a plausible theory. Oh, that's what I meant. Hey, but wait a minute. There was an earthquake yesterday. An hour before we landed, I guess the world was starting to fall apart. I mean, that is a real thing. There was a 3.4 magnitude earthquake in California one hour before we woke or we landed here yesterday. And that is an insane thing. But Jalen going to the Rams, I think it's good for Wade Phillips. I think it's good for the Los Angeles Rams. That human exists in the same world that you exist. Zito is so special, man. Right now, he is literally eight feet away from me. Just pass the fuck out. Both hands in his hoodie pocket. Head back over the seat. 
just completely assed out. As is Nick and Foxy. Ty is sitting here next to me, wide awake, because Ty doesn't sleep much. You know, it's kind of Ty's thing. It's not a good thing. It's a terrible thing. But it's just part of the job. We're lucky to do it. And, uh, I mean, it's late right now. And it's going to be early morning. Ty's going to get negative hours of sleep. Send Ty a tweet making him happy. Make Ty happy. You make Ty happy, win some free merch. On next week's vlog, we're giving away uh, a trip to Disney World. $250 Starbucks gift card. Not a sponsorship. Just a giveaway. Because that's what we do on our vlogs. Come out every Tuesday. Foxy works his ass. The behind the scenes of the scenes is just absolutely hysterical. Such a dumb life we're living. Thankful you're following along. We got more great shit from this week. But also, this fall, start a new monthly routine that will upgrade your life and style with a box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends you... Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month. So whether you're looking to craft your own hard cider or toast perfectly aged fall cocktails, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. Hey, just as good as that paragraph was right there, Bespoke Post, their Box of Awesome fucking actually lives up to the hype. It's like Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate that you get a bunch of gifts once a month for yourself from a company that scans the globe for up-and-coming things that you would never, ever in a million years think to buy. And it just shows up, and you're like, oh, fuck, happy I have this. It's cool. Shows up at the office once a month, and I love it. To get started, just take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. You're already saving 25 bucks, And get an additional 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter your code HEARTLAND at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code HEARTLAND. For 20% off your first box. Back to the ridiculous shit. The real thing that everybody's talking about in the NFL. The real thing that could potentially become a breaking point in the NFL. And that's the referees. Joining us now is the greatest referee analyst on television. A man that I live to hear speak. A man that I got to meet. And he's a legend. He's Portuguese. He's tan. He's attractive. And he's a whistleblower guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Pereira. Hey, I got. I, I feel like Jalen Ramsey. Like I gotta reprove myself. I gotta start over again. I got out of bed, took a shower, combed my hair, put my for the brand T-shirt on, so I could go on Facetime and you can see it. Even after you screwed me in that celebrity golf tournament thing, <laughs> but there's no way I couldn't have finished in the top five on that. You manipulated the outcome. I didn't get a payoff. I still got up to talk to you this morning, I guess. Well, I want to let you know. The FaceTime thing, we are in a studio that does not have the ability to FaceTime. Kyle Williams in the first hour was not happy about it. You are not happy about it in the second hour. I will make this up to you, I promise, and I'm so thankful you joined us this morning because the world has questions about the officiating. Mike Pereira, Rich McKay came out and said that this pass interference review, which has been... An abysmal failure. I think everybody would agree. It's just a pointless rule that has been added, and expectations have been set that it's going to get corrected, and it just hasn't happened. Rich McKay came out just yesterday and said that this is the first time a subjective rule has come into play for review, and they think it's a lot harder than the people think, and they knew that discussions and uh, disagreements were going to come about. Do you agree with that, or does this just sound like excuses coming from Rich McKay for Alberto River on making mistakes in that review booth? Well, I don't believe that the statement is true. I mean, for one thing, you can't say that this is the first time that a subjective rule has come into play into replay. My God, that's, that's the way we set it up in 1999. It was all to be based on facts, grounds, lines, planes, period. 
but it's now subjective in a lot of areas, including, as we know, the catch-fumble thing. You know, did the receiver have it long enough? Uh, replay, to me, had no business getting into that, but it did. And so we look at plays and say, well, he took uh, two steps, but he had it long enough, even though the ball we're – we're looking at slow motion, we're going to change – not the first time that we've gotten involved with subjectivity, but what it is – you know, to me, we've taken something in in this pass interference rule, and we've adopted we've adopted a second standard, and that's the real problem with the rule here. Um, you've got one standard, and that's the way the officials look at it on the field in real time, and then you have a second standard, which is how replay looks at it, and they look at it by saying. Well, yeah, it's past interference, but it doesn't rise to the level of what we're looking for in replay. We're trying to find something as big as Roby Coleman or whatever his name is from last year in the championship <laughs> game, that big. And so this stretch of subjectivity has pretty much every coach flummoxed. I really like to use that word, by the way. I sound word. kind of intellectual. Um, but it has every coach, you know, going crazy, every fan going crazy. My favorite group, the 50 drunks in a bar that have, they can't figure it out at all. Um, and and I, I agree with you, it's a, it's a failure. And to me, it's just a question of not if, but when they change it. And, and to me, the change is rather simple. Um, you get rid of this clear and obvious and egregious and you look at it in replay just like you would look at it as an official it either is or isn't it doesn't have to be hugely egregious it either is or isn't and then every coach would understand that um i think then the fans and the owners and the gms i think they understand that because they they are and somebody said they're like a pilot at 30,000 feet, you know, trying to fly a plane without a navigation system. Well, that plane's going to crash if this happens in week 17. And, and, and it's, it keeps a team from getting into the playoffs. It's going to really crash if it happens in the Super Bowl. And, you know, a, a play happens and it, a pass interference play and it doesn't get reviewed. And the league says, well, yeah, we knew it was pass interference, but it didn't rise to that level. Um, it's 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 going to change. It has to change. Whether it's now coming out of this meeting, or whether it's week seventeen or the playoffs. But um, I think Rich McKay just kind of politely said, um, "We're just going to wait a couple more weeks to know what we already know that it's not working." Last year, the helmet rule was a big topic of discussion. I mean, in early, the refs were just throwing flags at everything. I mean, it was mass chaos, basically. And then this meeting happened, and everything changed from that. What is happening in this uh, this meeting where Alberto Riveron's talking to the competition committee? What is happening behind closed doors there? Give a little peek inside of that. Because outside, he's giving no answers. There's no accountability. I would assume behind closed doors, though, real conversations are happening to hopefully fix this problem that is taking over the pop culture uh, lexicon yeah well that's that's pretty good too by the way um <laughs> listen i i think look we got to look back at history just in this short two-year period when they brought this illegal use of the helmet thing off on you know on as a new rule in the first two weeks of the preseason it was every time a guy made a tackle it was called and then they had a conference call and then all of a sudden they said now nah, you don't want this don't want this hey let's not overreact to this and boom the numbers fell off the cliff in week three. And then um, then just last year, if you remember, Clay Matthews, like, come on, every time he, like, took a breath on a quarterback, they called him for landing with most of his body weight on top of the quarterback. And we had all these calls, and after week two, conference call again, and we say we got to redirect this point of emphasis, and the numbers crashed off the board. This year, in the first three weeks, we had 179 holding calls, because there was a point of emphasis on backside holding. It was ridiculous how many holding calls we had, with the officials doing what they were told to do, by the way. And then they have a conference call with the referees, and the committee was involved, and boom. Now we've had in the last three weeks less holding calls than we had even last year. So um, adjustments can be made, and, and I'm sure 
that they're talking about that now. Can they make this adjustment? Um, it was a rule change, so could the could the commissioner just step in and say, "Hey, you know, in the best interest of the game, we're going to pull this rule." Um, theoretically, he could. Has it happened? Not really. Uh, he's added a, a rule for the playoffs, which he did with the clock several years ago. Um, so there's powers to change things there, but uh, I. I I don't, I don't know for sure. I'm anxious to find out what the real conversation is. I mean, they're not liable to tell me, but the, the, you will be able to figure it out if we see the standard change um, beginning on Thursday night in Denver, where I'll be on Fox, Thursday night football. Okay, enough for the plugs. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. Now you've become an incredible TV guy, which – Matt Hasselbeck and I have had conversations at length about this. I think the TV networks have plucked the best refs out of the NFL. Now, granted, no fault of yours or no fault of uh, Blandino's or John Perry's or Gene Steratore. All elite referees have all been plucked by TV networks. I, I would assume, I don't want to get into your financials, but I would assume life as a TV analyst for being a referee expert is a lot better than being an actual ref. Is there any way that the NFL, now great, I don't think there's a lot of good refs out there. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. You're a representation of refs, so you don't have to say it. I think Alberto Riveron has stunk at his job. I think a lot of people on the field have stunk at their jobs, but I don't think we're giving a lot of people uh, as much credit as it is to be a good ref. It takes a lot. you got to be a good politician. You have to be a good communicator. You have to be able to think fast. You have to do a lot of things. And a lot of the good refs are going to TV networks, I would assume, for a much better life and to be a voice of the game. How does the NFL in the future keep the good refs on the field as opposed to going and making the game better from an entertainment standpoint? Well, I mean, I, I think the answer is rather simple. I mean, they, they need to be thought of that they have more value than what they have now. I mean, they just signed a collective bargaining agreement with the officials, and, and uh, the officials seem to be happy with that. But when somebody, and I said this mistakenly on uh, with Colin Coward on the herd, I said, you know, if somebody comes to you and, and offers you more money and, and the, the work is only 10% of what you do in your other in your job you had, you're going to take it. And then I thought, that's a stupid question. I'm going into my option year with Fox. Why did I say that? that, that I work 10 per, only 10% of what I used to work. They're going to try to cut my salary, for God's sake. Um, but they just they never have been valued. And, and, and I get it because it's a negative. Nothing positive comes from officiating. They don't generate any money with the league. They're a huge expense. To a league, by the way, that values its money and um, and how much they make the clubs. So it's the the values the values not there. But when you when you have this, like you say, I mean, you just look at the fact of in a ten year period, they've had four different heads of officiating. I mean, it went from me to Carl Johnson to Dean Blandino, now Al Riveron. That's not that's not great leadership um, when you have somebody coming in constantly that has a a new style, a new thought. And then, of course, you have the Macaulay's and the Sterators and the Perry's leaving. You know, I can't ever remember, and I'm sure historically, other than the first two years of existence of the National Football League, where you have seven referees, seven that are either in their first or second year. I mean, it's, it takes it takes a while to adjust to the speed and the you know the the technical aspects of becoming a referee it that, that's why for example you can't work a super bowl until you've worked 5 full years this is a tough job and now you have 7 out of 17 referees either in their first year or second and now you have a new collective bargaining agreement which has offered a retirement incentive benefit a one year benefit to those that have 20 years or more in the league. So we could see more referees leave and, um, and then create you know, a, a, that, that young paradigm where you're going to have more first, second, or third-year referees than you have referees that have been doing it for 15 to 20 years. So it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's an issue, um, and I, I think that you know, I've said this many times before, I don't think the structure of the way that officiating is set up right now is working, and I don't think Band-Aids do anything but heal a cut. 
Um, I think the league, and I wish they would, and, and I wish they would step back and say, okay, it's time to essentially blow it up and figure out what we can do to make it better and think outside the box. Could that be the eighth official sky judge? In my opinion, yes. Could it be making all 17 referees full-time during the season where they meet at an officiating institute right after their games and they do everything together, evaluate everything together, propose rule changes, do all these things together, and then they go out on Saturdays to their crews with consistent messages. Um, there, there are better ways to do this, and I only see it now because I've been out for a long time. I know what Al Riveron's going through. It's tough. But somebody's got to think outside the box here. Um, I agree. I propose. Now, let's say it is a fantasy world, and you kind of just went through it all. I propose, did you know that in NASCAR, the pit crews, they just pluck college athletes that don't make it to the NFL. Like college football players that don't make it to the NFL, NASCAR pit crews pluck them. They have them come live in an area. They have a weight room. They have a chef. They have film. They have everything like that. That could very easily happen with officiating, could it not? Well, I, I don't think there's great value. I mean, I don't think there's great value in making everybody full-time, but I do think there is in the referees. Look at, you know, they can go outside and work on cars and do actual perfect simulations if you're talking about NASCAR and pit crews. You can't really get that. Or you can't get mm -hmm. it by going to practices during the week where they're non-contact, limited contact, and, and not real speed. I, I've never I, – I don't I – don't the value there i do see it for the referees though and and you know they're, they're honestly the, the referees are your brightest guys and they make good choices on who's going to be the referee but if you if you take these first year guys and and my issue with it is is you know the guy maybe yeah he did some maybe did some refereeing in college most of them now have um but it's a different game and if you had an institute where they had to go to you know, for the 17 weeks or 21 weeks counting preseason that they had to go to every week and work together, they would improve at a rate four times faster than they improve, uh, than they improve now when they're basically just put out there and they have a limited number of training now, that, or limited amount of training. The, the, the new CBA talks about, you know, they're going to hire a new training and development vice president, which is good, and they have Ed Hockley, you know, on a part-time basis working with the referees, but they'll improve so much quicker if they were all together. And that would take a financial commitment. Um, there's no question about that. But with the new CBA that's been signed, I don't know if that could even happen at this point. But, again, it's, it's out-of-the-box thinking that I think they need to do. And you know who they need to use, who they need to consult with, quite frankly, are those that have done this before. And that's the, the Pereiras and that's the yeah. Blandinos. And, and that's, those, are, those are the people who have been through it, but now they see it with clear eyes. Um, you know, when you're doing it, there's so much to do. Your, your, eyes, your eyes don't go from left to right. They just go straight ahead, and you don't, you don't see sometimes the big picture. But I, I live in a dream world now, I guess, and, and I, I, I'm not sure that that will ever see, uh, see the, the, the light of day. Well, I think you're incredible in your little dream world. I mean, you did screw yourself in negotiations by saying they could cut your salary in half and you'd that still was be making. Yeah, that that was... that's very dumb, Mike. I mean, you watch Pawn Stars. Everybody knows you can't be giving away stuff like that publicly. You're in a bad. Yeah, but I mean, I gave you, I gave you like ten of my best golf shots ever, and I get screwed out of the prize money for that. Too, you know? <laughs> All I got was a damn. For the brand black T-shirt, which I was wearing to show you today, and then you couldn't even get me on FaceTime. Well, listen. If I was to build this studio again, which I did, I built this studio we are in. It's right next to K1077 The Bone. I would make sure that it was able to have FaceTime because I wish the world could see your beautiful face. I can't thank you enough for joining, uh, joining us. And can I, can I say this? Even you think that most of these referees stink? Is that accurate? No. I, here's what I say. <laughs> you ready? Here's what I say. 
I, I finally I had to come to grips with what I really thought when people asked me the question, is officiating better, the same, or worse back when you were an official and, um, and when I ran the program? And I say this, I think the officials, top to bottom, the entire group is better, but I think the officiating is not. And, and I think there's a lot of reason, including all this damn technology that we're using now, both in video and in communication. I think it's hurt the ability of the official to officiate and be held accountable for what he does. Hell, this, this O2O communication system, they're making decisions for him. Put the ball, put, adjust your flag from the 42 to the 38. That's the spot of the foul. We had to do that ourselves back in those Who's days. Who's doing that? Hold on, hold on. Because in that Chiefs game, the guy goes to his ear. Is that somebody from outside the game or outside the... The replay guy, right? They've got a, they got a system that's called the O2O, official to official. I was for the system because it was designed for just those seven guys talking together. And so when a guy calls a pass interference penalty 30 yards downfield, referee doesn't have to run all the way downfield to get the number. You could just click on your your microphone and tell the referee, it's pass interference on number 23, ball will be at the 21-yard line, first and 10. The referee makes the announcement. Um, Bruce Arians gets upset. And he says, what did he call on the other side of the field? And I used to you'd have to say, well, the next time out, I'll go ask him. Now you click on your thing and say, what do you have? The guy said, I had holding at the top of the route. And he tells Arians, okay, you're done. Great communication. But now the replay guy is on that system. New York is on that system. They've expanded what they can do in terms of spot of fouls and penalty enforcements and downs. Know you know, the is. safety net for officiating has gotten so big in a lot of the areas that I think it's taken away some of your ability to basically take control of the game. And, and overall, I think it's hurt officiating as a, as a whole. Well, Mike Pereira, I can't thank you enough. You just learned me a lot. I feel like uh, every time I talk to you, I'm entertained, informed, and most impressive, or most important, impressed with everything that you do. I hope you get a new big contract that gives you a big check that you have to take to a big <laughs> bank, although it doesn't sound like that's likely. Fox Sports is lucky to have you. Ladies and gentlemen, so are we. Mike Pereira. Thank you, Mike. See you later. See you, man. He was incredible right there. I apologize for interrupting this train of awesome from this past week, but I have to tell you that whenever you're manscaping, sometimes you can have that worry that one little slip of the finger or slip of the hand there with that razor or clipper or whatever you use, and you get one little nick or one little cut, you think you're going to bleed out sometimes. Pain will be too much. It's a delicate area. That's why whenever I found out about Manscaped's Lawnmower 2.0 with skin-safe technology, the trimmer that won't nick or snag your nuts ever, it completely nick-proof somehow, my life completely changed for the better. The Lawnmower 2.0 has somehow defied science. I shaved my, my whole body with it the first time I tried it damn near. It was just incredible. Smooth. No fear of cuts. It's just a perfect little... Brrr, knock it out quickly. And right now, the Perfect Package 2.0 kit that features the Lawnmower 2.0 with skin-safe technology is something you need in your life. The Lawnmower 2.0 is also 100% waterproof and shock resistant. Precision tools for your family jewels, your balls, will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping and a free travel bag with the code PAT at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Code PAT at manscaped.com. It's a mind-blowing thing, honestly. Like, whenever you do it, you're going to be like, yep, he was right. That shit was crazy. Manscaped.com. Code hat. Back to it. We will now be joined by a man who is maybe the greatest physical specimen to ever walk this earth. Created something called the All Mammal Team. I never made it. I wish I would have. 
He was a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, All-American, Buckus Award winner, Bednarik Award winner. You know him as soon as you see him. Ladies and gentlemen, LeVar Arrington. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. For the brand, baby. For the brand. Hey, pretty good little intro there for you, huh? You like that? I, I, I liked it, man. The mammal deal. You know, all mammal all day, baby. Yeah. Uh, I, why did you shave the or why did you cut the dreads? That was such a signature look for you for so long. I think it was all the way down to your ankles at one point. Why did we get rid of them? Yeah, and 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 I'm about to go all mammal on these little ass dogs out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Look, look at this. Look, look at what's going on in my community here. <laughs> he is on a FaceTime, and there are two poodles outside. Cause three poodles going to town in the open area. There, good for you. It's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous, but I enjoy it. It's it's fun. It it keeps us all connected. You know what I mean? (laughs) Connected. I, you know, I cut my hair, Pat, because you know I ended up having a kid, and 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 the reality. I guess the the one thing that really hit me was my hair was making me feel like Samson every day, (laughs) and and so I was I was getting carried away with the whole idea of the strength was in my hair, and and so I had to do. I had to make a change, bro, or or I was going to be like uh, really having like nineteen kids running around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I can respect that. You're a good-looking man with or without the dreads. Let's talk about the Washington Redskins, a team that you know a little bit about. They yeah, seem to they too, huh? they seem to be in such an interesting situation over there. Is yeah. Dan Snyder the problem? That's what everybody says. The Redskins are this terrible organization. What are your thoughts on the whole thing from being inside of it? I, listen. I don't want people to misinterpret. I've, I've, I've said for years it's Dan Snyder, all right? But I don't want some people to misinterpret it's him being that it's a horrible place. Got it. It's not a horrible place. Um, it's not a horrible franchise. It's a historical franchise. It's just, it's just that there has to be a learning curve that eventually is realized if if the the culture of that place is is going to improve and and be a culture of of winning you know there's been so many different debates as to why but when you look at all the coaches that have come there all the players all the names that have been associated with them the gms uh i mean you name it there's nothing left, Pat. Like, what else can you look at and say, you know what? It might be this coach. It might be this player. Like, imagine this, right? If Pat McAfee went and played in his prime at Washington for the Redskins, right? That wouldn't even be enough to make that a better team. Wow, that's a big deal. <laughs> think about think about that, bro. <laughs> think about that. And, and so – for me, I, they just – when I say it's the owner, I, I, I say it in a way like think about Trent Williams, right? That's your best, maybe the best offensive lineman since the Hogs to pay, play for your, your organization. He doesn't want, even want to be there. He doesn't want to come back. He feels like, you know, he's been abandoned. He, he feels – and I don't want to speak for him, but, you know, he feels like he was mis, misdiagnosed with, with something that he had going on medically. Um, it just seems to be the same stuff. You know, you look at the RG3 fiasco. You you look at, wait, wait, the LeVar Arrington fiasco. <laughs> oh, yeah. You look at so many different things that have happened within that organization. You can't say that it's a good culture. Gotcha. I'm not saying it's a horrible organization. I'm just saying that the, the culture of it needs to change. Well, Bruce Allen's a dumb dumb. I mean, that was, uh, you don't have to say it. I was, you, can't, you don't have to say it. I'll say it. Um, okay, speaking of dumb dumbs, these refs, man, are stealing the show. Last night, a pass rusher, Trey Flowers, a good one at that, basically sealed the game there a couple times for him, tried his best, and a phantom hands to the face call happened. But this is just. The cherry on top of a year that has been riddled with terrible calls. What are your take on the whole thing, and how do you fix it, you think? Refs have always been a nemesis to organized sports. Oh. Um, I, I feel like it's a it's a necessary evil in some ways to, to have them. 
obviously there would probably be total anarchy. I'd probably be drop kicking people, (laughs) stopping people when I played and kicking them in between their legs to take them down, all kinds of stuff. Um, Stepping on necks. But, but, but you just kept three. going there. Hey, by the way, these are all things you've thought of. <laughs> yeah, I've thought of. I've thought of. You know, and I won't say what happens in the pileups, you know. But, um, <laughs> but, but you got to have referees that, you know, to manage the game. I always thought referees were supposed to manage the games, not, not dictate them. And I think that that's where – I think that's where refereeing has has kind of gotten to now. They dictate the games, and and that's um, I don't think that that's good for the game. And I, it's definitely on, like your shirt says, it's not good for the brand. <laughs> Agree. They're fighting. They're fighting a, a battle where participation and uh, you know health concerns surrounding the game. They're trying to legislate the game on the field the same way they're trying to legislate it uh, on Capitol Hill or in in um, in the mom's living room. They're trying to make it seem like this is a game that is being monitored and being officiated in a way where player safety comes first, and and so holding calls different so so it was always the defense got all these these calls right but now you're seeing more offensive calls coming coming down the pipe i just think that they're they're facing a a player safety crisis and they're trying to address it through on the field they're trying to address it through the referees and uh, i don't i don't i think it's it's failing i think it's creating more concerns and more um backlash and fallout from watching a quality product that's interesting to me that you make that capitol hill reference because it does feel as if you know how they make like the seatbelt rule or you have to mm-hmm. wear your seatbelt and it's yeah. like come on i can make that decision I'm it all- Pittsburgh, man. we didn't wear, <laughs> wear seatbelts ever <laughs> no i think you should by the way as a host of a show that is being heard by a lot of humans probably in their cars you should wear your seatbelt because it's Belt safer work. Wear your seatbelt. <laughs> but when they made I that throw a windshield, man. <laughs> when they made when they made that when they made that law, I was like, I don't need you thinking for me, okay? If I want to put the seatbelt on, I'll put the seatbelt on. It does feel as if in the NFL where they're like, we're gonna think for the players' safety for them. We're gonna start making calls for them, even whether they want them or not. It does feel like they're kind of overreaching what they originally were intended to do. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they're governing the game. They're not managing the game. They're running the game. And that's 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 not what in my my assumption, my estimation, I don't think that that's what referees were intended to do. I thought they were there to manage the game. They're like guardrails, right? You're not dictating mm. whether whether you get a strike or not. You're just making sure the ball doesn't go in the gutter. You know oh, what I mean? Bumper rails. Keep us out of keep a bumpers, right? Keep a, keep us out of keep us out of the the gutter, right? But don't dictate whether the ball gets a strike or not. You know? How are, how are you um, as a bowler? You, you, you a good bowler or no? I, I you know I was pretty good, man. Not I was any, pretty good. Not anymore. No, I haven't. I, I told you, man. I was making too many kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Expensive to go bowling anymore. I need an entire. I need an entire bowling alley. Got a lot of kids. Need yeah. all the lanes. I thought about putting one in my crib at one point in time, but my kids are like real destructo bots. You know? <laughs> so I've I've had to try to figure out a way to live like a good productive life with kids that ruin and break everything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> break that. Break all your your dishes and. Lose all your stuff, and you know, I, it's it's hard, man. It's, hard. <laughs> it's not easy, man. Um, you got got to find a way to survive, though, man. You know, you what? did it. You know, I did it. You know, <laughs> my issue to deal with. Uh, let's talk about you being the most underappreciated freak athlete of all time. Never gets brought up. LeVar Arrington's name never gets brought up when they're talking about best athletes of all time. And I would say, as a pure mammal. You are 
I was at the game where you jumped over the entire line. I was at the game. I just so happened to go with one of my friends from Plum, who's a Penn State alum. We were oh, sitting up. Uh, we were sitting up in the nosebleeds. I will never forget it when I saw this human. I thought was a human <laughs> fly over this group and te- immediately. Then you get to the NFL, same old thing. Then we start reading stats. You a ten eight hundred. You could have went to North Carolina to play basketball. You just yeah. everything was a kid's game to you. It felt like, and I don't think you get talked about enough. What stat am I missing that uh, that I didn't mention there? Uh, they're not. There's no missing stats needed. You you just. Get- <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. That's that's pretty cool. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. It's like a, it's such a lifetime ago. I don't even really, I don't really stun off of of being viewed that way anymore. You know, what I mean, I, my whole thing is like what you're doing. Like, I, I want to be respected for my mind and and the opinions and the thoughts that I bring to the table to create stimulating conversations. Um, but I always felt like being smart was the reason why I was so athletic. You know, I always say it's mind over matter. Anytime that I wanted to do something, you know, it was so funny. I, I used to dunk the ball, and my, my older brother was like, you know, you dunk so easily, try to do it with your elbows. I used to actually try to dunk the ball with my elbows, man. So but there's I, the missing you know, stat. Yeah. Hey, there it is right there. I appreciate you getting to the missing stat. <laughs> but, but it was my mind convincing me that I could actually get high enough to dunk with my elbows now i never pulled it off but i did i actually did get high enough on the backboard where my wrist was on the top of the white banking square that is a claim to fame so i was pretty athletic man uh, um <laughs> i'd say <laughs> I did a few things i did a few things but you know it, it doesn't if it, it if i can't see the next generation of guys learn from me and and do it the best then it it really was all for not anyway but I appreciate I appreciate the propers though. I mean, uh, that's it's always nice when somebody shows you a little love on what you did in a previous life. What are you still doing work with the NFL Network? I used to see you on TV all the time. Now I don't get to watch television as much. And every time I got to share the screen with you, I was always so impressed with your brain. And you could I, this is not a shot at anybody. I'm a different personality. I think it's because we're both from Pittsburgh. You and I. You and I could keep up with each other. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like whenever we got going, we could keep up with each other, which was awesome, which doesn't happen. There's there's not a lot of chemistry that happens all the time. You're very good right. on television. Well, what what it is is all of that pierogi juice that they put in our, <laughs> our bodies growing up, which is totally Pittsburgh. I think that it, it develops your, your brain cells a little quicker. You know, they say hugging and telling your kid you love them and stuff like that. But I think it was pierogi juice mixed with uh washing it down with icy light but <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason why we're we are able to to vibe on the same level bro and that's you know that's that's just what it is man uh, some things you just have to be from there to understand it you okay. know do you enjoy working on the the tv or do you think they um you said you like to stimulate conversation sometimes oh. sometimes there people like stimulating debate on TV as well, or do you enjoy the whole process, or, or you think I do, I do because you know the thing about it is there's so much going on in the world that if you actually have something interesting enough about you, where somebody forms an opinion about you, then you've done something pretty phenomenal, and that's that's I kind of I enjoy that you know if you can make somebody laugh or if you can make somebody mad or you can make somebody sad. To, to actually think that you could stimulate enough emotion and thought through something that was uh, created, you know, within your brain, it's kind of, you know, kind of interesting to me. And and to be able to do it over and over again is, is you know, people, people tend to think when you, you know, I just put a post on my IG talking about retire the word hater, you know. Find a different word than hater. It's 2000. It's heading into 2020. Use a different word other than hater. I, I just always feel like when you come up with things that are thought provoking, um, some people are going to fall in line and agree. Some people are not going to agree. Some people are going to be indifferent. But when you're looking at it, you still take the time to actually formulate a thought. And if your thought ends with hater, to me, that's almost like using profanity 
unnecessarily, right? It's a lack of education. It's a it's a lack of of showing, um, you know, a, a grasp of what it is that's being discussed. Now, I'm not saying I don't curse because I have cursed. I am a cursor at times. <laughs> but I just feel like when I curse, I really want you to know that I am very very upset so when that curse word comes out it's usually very quick it's very sharp and then it's done you know i don't use it for educational purposes i use it purely to let you know like i'm showing my teeth like you know like be afraid of me right now and that's why i'm cursing <laughs> well i want to let you know i hope i don't make you curse i hope i can have you back on the show again we have to get to a break Indeed, ladies, ladies and Indeed. gentlemen incredibly intelligent freak athlete and not a hater of the haters. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, LeVar Arrington. Thank you so much, LeVar. I appreciate you. One AFC general manager says that Cam Newton would be picked up by at least 10 teams in the NFL if he was put on the trading block. With Kyle Allen continue to dominate and Christian McCaffrey becoming an MVP candidate, do you put Cam Newton back in the game and potentially ruin the little mojo they've got going since he's left with his Liz Frank injury? He's back. He's practicing. Who knows what they're going to do? They're going to have to make some real decisions. Here's our five landing spots that we have come upon. Tennessee Titans. Because mm-hmm. what happened with Mariota Tannehill. That's pretty self-explanatory. I think the Titans become a good team. If Cam Newton can play like Cam Newton played before it seemed as if he got his happiness sucked out of him by Vaughn Miller in that Super Bowl. So if he goes to a new spot, has to prove himself to a new group of humans, has a chip on his shoulder, wants to save his legacy as an MVP candidate, as a Super Bowl quarterback, as a guy that could take over games, he could be great with the Tennessee Titans depending upon what they're looking to do. Plus with... Vrabel is the coach, that kind of smash mouth style that would fit very well for them. The Bengals is another place that he could potentially go to. That old Zach Taylor guy. I mean, I have no clue about him. I know nothing about him. I guess he's only called five games before this season. They hired him as a head coach. Now he's a full-time <laughs> offense coordinator. Andy Dalton had no shot. I watched that game a little bit this weekend. That Bengals team looks like that's a, that's a tough place to go. No indoor facility. Gets very cold. Food, notoriously bad. Not a great place to go, I guess, but players go there and do well. Shout out Pac-Man. Shout out to Andy Dalton, who's a fan of the show. But I think those days are about numbered for Andy Dalton. Cam Newton going there could potentially expedite the process of them not being a terrible program organization anymore. The Denver Broncos. Joe Flacco, who has been nothing short of elite since appearing on our podcast two Fridays ago. They have been undefeated. They have performed very well. I like Joe Flacco. Let's say Joe Flacco gets dinged up, though. What do the Broncos do? Maybe bring in old Cam Newton. And what a circle of life story that would be since the Denver Broncos and Vaughn Miller were potentially the team that stripped Cam Newton's happiness from him in that Super Bowl. If he was able to go out there and do well, a lot of quarterbacks who can do well in Denver will get welcomed back like the heroes that they are. Peyton Manning has a parade there, I think, every single day. It feels like Peyton Manning is in Denver every <laughs> single weekend, as he should be. Took him to a couple of Super Bowls. That could be a place. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is his style good for Bruce Arians' offense? Uh, uh, Bruce Arians is, is hucking that rock, bro. I mean, that's what Bruce Arians is doing. Cam Newton, I've never said he has a weak arm. I think he has a great arm. I don't know how he is as a passer because I don't think you get to see it enough here in recent history because he's either hurt or they're running or something's going on. Maybe Cam Newton goes to Tampa Bay Buccaneers does well. And the landing spot that we think would be an instant game changer for the team that it involves. A team whose defense was being heralded as the next 2000 Ravens defense. A team going into the season, people were like, this team can do some real damage. This team was one kicker away, they say. One blocked kick, double doink kick away from potentially making a run last year. They're back this year. Quarterback gets hurt. Backup quarterback doesn't do great. If this guy was to land, in the midway for the Chicago Bears, if Cam Newton was to become the Chicago Bears quarterback, I think the Chicago Bears become a better football team immediately. And I think that is a team you have to really think about if they were to shoot their shot with the Carolina Panthers. I'm not sure they have much to give because they gave away everything for Khalil Mack, but I'm not sure how much Carolina Panthers would have to have to get in return to get rid of them because that's going to be quite a situation. We're not saying 
they're trading Cam Newton. We're saying if they were to trade mm -hmm. Cam Newton, where they would go. Conversation came up in our 13-person discussion before the show on if he was to go to the Cowboys, do you think the Cowboys are better? So I put a poll to the people. I said, excuse me, if you're Jerry Jones and he's on the trading block, would you rather Cam Newton or Dak Prescott? And 58% of the people who voted Dak Prescott, we got 34,000 votes. What a fall for grace, by the way, for Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam yeah. Newton was being talked about as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now a guy who has definitely struggled, who I guess is on the eve of getting a pretty rather large contract, who has not done well, blows him out of the water by 16 points. That's a wild thing right there. That's a wild thing for That's me. And the Cowboys fans have been coming after me for even posting the poll. I even said this is not my thoughts. This is just a thought. Posting a poll, Cowboys fans love them some Dak Prescott, which I appreciate, I respect. He's going to have to win some games, though, because as soon as you pay him, let's say, $84 million guaranteed and he struggles just a little bit, you're all going to turn on him very quickly. And I think the Cowboys, Cowboys need to start doing better. And I hope Dak Prescott gets broken off. But, boy, we're forced to watch them, man. And I hope they become a good football team. I think team, that man. poll just shows how far Cam has fallen and how bad he has looked the last two years. He's a bad bro. That, that many people would rather have Dak, who, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, it, Dak's average. Dak's looked average. Uh, you're going to get buried for that. I don't <laughs> I mean, yes. I just want to let you know, like, I don't know if that was on camera or not, like if people saw your face there. These Cowboys fans love Dak Prescott, and I appreciate the fact that they love their quarterback, by the way. I appreciate the hell out of that. They stuck by Tony Romo for his bad times, his good times, and his bad times again. They, they welcome back Jason Witten with open arms. That Cowboys fan base is an incredible one, a loyal one. Jerry Jones is an incredible owner. He's been able to build up a franchise that has withstood the test of failure. They've remained a famous, popular team, even with all of their failures that they have had because of how good an owner Jerry Jones is and how good of a franchise that Dallas Cowboys team is. But, man, they've been so average. If something doesn't give there with Jason Garrett, I got a call, I got a call from John Daly yesterday. I think it was oh. Oh, he's not happy. I don't think I don't think he's happy. That I, went after, I didn't answer. <laughs> I, I, I think he's not happy with how I'm talking about the cow. He loves the Dallas Cowboys and loves Jerry Jones. And yesterday I, I asked, did Jerry Jones lose his edge because he's just accepting mediocrity with this Jason Garrett thing and not even thinking about firing him? I would assume Jerry Jones potentially heard that and said, you tell that McVie, I didn't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. So is Dak a victim of circumstance here with a, an, an ever mediocre team? Maybe. I don't know. But to think that the question, even posing the question, made these Dallas Cowboys fans upset, to me, is hilarious. Like That is a hilarious thing to happen, and I hope they start winning for those Dallas Cowboys fans who deserve a team to be well and do well. They're delusional. They're delusional Cowboys fans. It's how they've always been. It's well, how they always will be. You should not say what you're saying. Well, right? no, it's not what you're saying. It's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're going to get killed for this. I mean, I'm speaking the truth, so I shouldn't be killed. <laughs> People have been dying for the truth for a long time. That's a good point. <laughs> killed for a lot less. A long time. You know what? If that's how I go out, that's how I go out. Oh, very noble. Of you. <laughs> that's an admiral. <laughs> very, right? very admiral. Very admiral, Z. Oh, yeah. You know, what would you, be, are right, you know what would I be know. interesting is maybe a guy like Andy Dalton in Dallas. Yeah. He went to TCU. He gets some weapons around him. I think he could, I think he could perform even say well what down you there. You just said right there. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Pat, yesterday on Get Up, they were asking, would you rather have Dak Prescott or Sam Darnold after that game on Sunday? I mean, that's oh, And Greeny said, I would take Sam Darnold 10 times out of 10 right. or whatever. And did you see... He got ratioed on that tweet. <laughs> he got ratioed on that thing. I appreciate and respect the hell out of these Cowboys fans. I really do. They are with them through and through because it's just been mediocre stuff here for a long time, and they are all in. They're just waiting for that team to bust through. They're just waiting for that team to go back to the glory days when they were just an unstoppable force. When the star on the helmet meant that when they arrived in your stadium, you're in for a long day. It was going to be tough to beat the Dallas Cowboys, a well-coached team, an energetic team, a team that at any given moment could win any given game. Dallas Cowboys show up in a lot of stadiums right now. Everybody knows it's going to happen. They're going to lose. They are probably going to lose. That's just the way it is. And I would assume I, you can't. If They're telling me that Dak's the only person playing good on the team. A lot of people tweeting me. Okay, so if Dak's playing good, Zeke rushed for 100 yards last week. The defense says we're beating ourselves. 
Whose desk does that fall upon? Whose desk does it fall upon? The head coach then? Is that what, if everybody's playing good. If everybody's playing right, good yeah, right. and they're losing and they're 29th in time of possession, 29th in field position, and 30th in turnovers, if everybody's playing good, Cowboys fans, all we want to know is whose fault is it then? That's all I want to know. This week was a magical one. We can't thank you enough for fucking with us all week. Whether it was a live show or the radio podcast, this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram with all of us. We just thank you for supporting the cause here. Just a small business trying to make it and enjoying the fuck out of the ride. I mean, so many ridiculous things have happening have been happening on a weekly basis. It's tough not to just sit back and say thanks. And a company that is helping us survive this entire schedule is a company that's sponsoring our vlog each week, which is basically a documentary that Foxy puts together of all the behind-the-scenes shit from Get Up to when we're at World Trade Center on Mondays to the Thursday night games to the live shows and box trucks and random studios to 1077 The Bone to all that shit. There's a company that's helping us out with all of it. I'm very thankful for them. And you'll be very thankful for them whenever you go into bedroom and it's time to make love and you last longer than you've ever lasted in your entire life. Every guy wants to last longer, but thinking about baseball doesn't always work. Doing the alphabet backwards doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, an online men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer, better sex. You can say the Pledge of Allegiance in your head all you want. You can count backwards from 10, but that's only 10 seconds. So what are you going to do for the other minute and a half that you might last? It's always a good time to last a long time. And Roman Swipes are the convenient, over-the-counter wipes clinically proven to help you last longer. They're effective, doctor-approved, easy-to-use, and fast-acting. That sounds all way too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, swipes are the real deal. Studies have shown up to a 340% increase in stamina after three months of regular use. Roman Swipes will ship to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each Swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet. What makes Swipes better is... Then all those creams and foams out there is the desensitizing effect will not transfer to your partner or numb you. And they're super easy to use. Just take the swipes out of the packet, wipe it on your most sensitive areas, and wait a few minutes. That's it. Bang. Showtime. Let's last longer than ever. Keep Roman swipes in your back pocket for longer, better sex, and get yours fast with free two-day shipping by visiting GetRoman.com slash USA. That's GetRoman.com forward slash USA. I'm going to try to sneak in like two hours of sleep here before we got to go live on the radio. Ty Schmidt's going to try to upload this with very minimum Wi-Fi. And we can't say thank you enough for all this. It's a blast. Have the best weekend of your life. Ty Schmidt, don't fall asleep yet. Hit the music. Cheers. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And then I'll watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. I left my home in Georgia, headed for the Frisco Bay. Cause I've had nothing to live for, and look like nothing's gonna come my way. So I'm just gonna sit. On the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Look like nothing's gonna change 
remains the same I can't do what ten people tell me to do So I guess I'll remain the same yes. Sitting here resting my bones And this loneliness won't leave me alone Listen, two thousand miles I roam Just to make this dock my home Now I'm just gonna sit at the dock of a bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, I'm sitting on the dock of a bay Wasting time